Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games and interactive media, and you meet creative teams from all around the world. Talk to developers, artists, musicians, researchers, people who wear lots of different hats sometimes. My name is Gianni. Thank you for joining me. And I guess on Lightmap is a game that I know a lot of you are very excited about. It's the developers from Massive Monster. That's Julian Wilton and Will Messalane. Hello. Yo. We're here to talk about Cult of the Lamb. Thanks for thanks for joining us both. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here. All right, before we find out exactly what Cult of the Lamb is, and I know people are very keen to learn more, we're going to jump into a little preview of what has been making the news this week on Sifter's news podcast, Walkthrough. Hi, I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And I'm Kyle Paletto. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 10th of March. We have the highlights from this week's Xbox Partner Preview. Roguelike deck builder Bellatro pulled from stores due to misunderstanding about its gambling content. A 2.4 million US dollar settlement has killed the two biggest Switch and 3DS emulators. And this year's BAFTA award nominations are here. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Every Sunday. Australia's best video game podcast. This is Lightmap. Get every episode free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and sifter.com.au. So I've been living under a rock. Maybe I've been living in a cave somewhere. Can you tell me what is Cult of the Lamb? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh god, I actually haven't I haven't pitched it in a while, so you know, I'm I'm glad you get me on it. Um, I reckon I'll tell you a little something about it. Uh, you're kind of you're kind of a lamb, and you're starting a cult. That's that's kind of the basics. You go out, you find these little followers, you bring them back to your base. You gotta look after them, give them a good time, kind of keep their keep their faith high, keep them fed. Um, but you know, at the same time, there might be some naughty boys, so you might need to like you know, you might end up sacrificing one and doing some like sermons and rituals to kind of keep their faith high and keep them in check and yeah, just have a, have a happy little cult. Um, beside that, it kind of um, under the hood, it's a bit of a colony sim base builder kind of game mixed with like a dungeon crawler. Um, so we're kind of just mushing those two things together. And when we had you on the podcast uh, a little while ago, just when you'd first announced this game, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you told us uh, about, you know, where the idea kind of came from and how it's sort of built from there. So can you take us back? Tell us, where did this idea come from? And, you know, you've, we've had you on the show a number of times for previous games that you've worked on, Julian. And, um, where did the idea from this come from and, and how has it grown over the time since the last time we spoke to you? Well, probably about almost 12 months ago now. Yeah. Oh my God. That was a, that was a while ago. I feel like how, I feel like what I say now will probably be quite different to what I said then, <laughs> but um, yeah, it kind of, it basically, it started out with that um, little, little mock-up, a little prototype we had, which was basically just the, that concept of mushing the genres together. So we had the kind of little bit of a base builder thing. And then there was kind of like, you could go out and like fight things and you'd bring resources back, but really it just wasn't much of anything yet i know i was i saw this prototype that jay had made uh which is the uh one of the main programmers on the game as well and yeah i loved it but i was like how are we gonna how are we gonna sell this thing how are we gonna make it into an actual kind of game that will be engaging and people will understand what it is uh so yeah it started off with like you're on the back of a flying whale and you go out and i think 
you, yeah, you find, yeah, get food and stuff for your little villages and you look after them. Uh, but then I started bringing in all these ideas of like, well, if you could do some rituals and stuff, and we started getting more occult and kind of weird with it. We ended up going into a bit of a hell game and kind of all these other weird directions. But then, yeah, we kind of ended up in this kind of cult direction, which, and then, yeah, just kind of stuck from there. One of the things I really like is you've really nicely meshed together that really like kind of like happy base that you've got set up. Everyone's like running around, chopping down wood, growing berries and all that sort of stuff. But then you're racing off and you're doing these these uh, like dungeon quests, these, um, you know, you're heading out there, you're taking out your enemies and, and moving away and collecting resources as well. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the sort of challenge you wanted to set for players as they were playing this game um, as you're sort of balancing, you know, all the different things you could do at any one time? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it came down to we wanted there always to be like something for the player to do. And there's always like the next thing. So you'd finish one task like, oh, you know, my, my dudes are hungry. All right, I'll go get some food. You brought back the food. But uh oh, now this other guy wants something or I need to, you know, I want to get this upgrade. Oh, now I need to build some farms. Just constantly kind of this loop feeding into each other. Because that was the whole idea with the kind of two sections of the dungeon crawling and the base building and trying to figure out how we can kind of keep pushing the player back into each side of that loop um, was, yeah, kind of the focus for us. But it's kind of ended up in a nice place where, yeah, you can kind of focus a bit more where you want and the game will kind of lead you in directions, but you can kind of choose how you spend it. Can you tell me a little bit about the design of kind of communicating what all the different systems are? Because there is quite a bit in this game to do, right? Uh, how, how do you make it so it's nice and clear and consistent? And was there anything you needed to pair back because it was just too much for people to, to absorb as they were playing? <laughs> yeah, I think this is a good one for, um, for Will as well. But I'll say to start it off, like I think, um, yeah, that was definitely, we had a lot of systems from the start and we tried out a lot of these big ideas big complicated things that were going on but it was just like a lot of systems would be under the hood and there'd be all these like things happening so there's a whole follower thought system where you can see every single thought a follower's had which is just very you know very granular the player would have to go up look at all their thoughts and see why they're unhappy and kind of go from there and it was just like yeah it was a lot of the work was kind of trying to bring that back out to the player so they could see what was going on and that kind of through the through the ui which will's done a great job at we've kind of presented all these systems in like a, a nice and easy to understand way now yeah a lot of the challenge has really been just like trying to figure out the easiest and simplest way possible to present all of this information because there is so many systems going on in the game and there's quite a bit like going on at the start as well like not everything really reveals itself until you're a good chunk of the way into the game and trying to find that balance of just like showing so many things versus not showing too many all at once has sort of just been this continual push and pull throughout the whole sort of project. Yeah. Even then, some systems like had to get reworked at some point as well. Like Jay's whole rework of the faith thing like six months ago, you know, that was so much more complicated than it is now. And now it's just this one little bar sort of <laughs> in your uh, HUD that just feeds into everything else. Yeah, we basically just like simplified everything. We made everything super complicated and then we just stripped it all back down to make it dumb again. And that that kind of, that was a solution. <laughs> well, I'm curious when you're designing a, a game, because people looked at this game when it was first out, uh, first announced and people were starting to look and they go, man, this looks like Animal Crossing or something like that. Or, you know, was there some like design language that you could use to make that experience easier for players who may be more familiar with that style of game? Was that a consideration as you were designing the UI? Uh, I mean, there's definitely things that we just like lifted from those games a little bit. Like 
kind of just looking at what they do well and seeing if we can use that or um, sort of like tweak it in some way to sort of work better for for our cases, really. Um, beyond that, I, I don't know. We didn't really think about it too much. A lot of it was um, some of the UI was kind of already designed before I came on board and it was kind of just like taking what we had and refining it a little bit. Yeah, I set up all the previous um, UI, so it was all like really badly set up. And it was Ooh, just like, yeah. I, need to, <laughs> I need to come in and redo everything because this is the first time I'm kind of like properly programming on a game as well. So, yeah, bit of a mess. I don't know why I was put in charge of it, but, you know. <laughs> um, and just for reference as well, like I, I came on board on this project, like after it was announced and everything, too. So I, I sort of jumped into it sort of three quarters of the way through development already. <laughs> I feel like it was, yeah, shortly after we might have announced, actually, that you popped on. Tell me a little bit about the the design and the world that you've built. Because it to me, to, a lot of people would have looked at this and said, wow, this looks like something I've never seen before. But there's definitely that, uh, you know, massive monster flavor all the way through it. Um, it. It does look like an evolution of the games that we've we've had you on the show for before the Adventure Pals and Never Give Up. Can you tell me about some of those, uh, you know, the design of this world? Did you make it, you talked about making it very occult? Was it like, where's the where's the line of making it cute but a cult well i think with this one um i mean the last game that i kind of worked on doing the art for was yeah the adventure pals and as you know that game is it's it's a game about basically having a giraffe and a pet rock and going on these big adventures so it's like it's very random very colorful very kind of adventure time kind of weird um so that game was great because we could just be as weird as possible but kind of an outcome of that was i think a lot of um players looked at it and thought oh this looks like something for like a kid or something looks a bit weird um where this game we're like we kind of wanted to target a bit more of a a specific audience so with this one we're thinking you know we want to aim for more of those kind of binding of isaac players those kind of steam game players that are you know love the indie darlings or whatever so yeah it was kind of a lot of trying to be a bit more bad boy you know oh well (laughs) you know trying to make it all a lot more darker and stuff like that but inevitably I, I can't draw anything like too dark. So it always ends up a bit cute. So yeah, it kind of ended up with this kind of mush of like, yeah, cute and kind of um, creepy, but it's it's worked out. I, I don't know. I feel like it's worked out quite nice because um, we have those elements and those areas where it can be a bit more silly. Like in the, we have like locations where they're kind of one-off little areas and they have their own stories and quests going on. So there's little opportunities for it. It's kind of refreshing after you've been in the dungeon and just been like fighting all these dudes for ages. So yeah, I I think a lot of that came from just I I love um, horror films and like I think I was watching yeah Midsummer and a lot of these other kind of um, hereditary and a lot of these kind of yeah dark occult horror movies and I was like I want to make something with this. <laughs> was there some part of this that you said like we really don't want to touch this aspect of of cult stuff? Like like this is the line too far that we didn't want to didn't go down I that think, path. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I feel like we were, I was a bit concerned maybe early on the reception to it as how people would react because there is like, you know, some people might be like, "Oh, it's a bit, you know, anti-religion stuff in there or something." Um, but yeah, it's not been a problem at all, really. So that's been great. But uh yeah, I think we haven't we kind of did want to kind of do justice a little bit to the cult leader because you know it is something where you know people do get exploited and stuff like that so there was a lot of trying to get in some of those systems i think we the one we got in was like yeah you can marry your followers and you have like a little kiss with them and stuff which is a bit like you're very light on the on the themes of that but like a lot of these exploitations 
that happened with cult leaders, yeah, can get quite in depth and dark. So yeah, I think, you know, we might explore it more. I don't know, but we do want to keep it. I don't even know what rating we have, but probably, I don't know, M or something. Yeah. And they're all still cute, right? So you get yeah. all these, these exploitative sort of dark things, but then as soon as you make it sort of like kind of cute, it's okay again. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a fine line. Fine line. For me, I think the darkest thing I don't at the moment is like you can just straight up murder someone. And I think you like pick them, do this like Darfe like chokehold and like slam them into the ground. And the first time I saw that, I was just like, ooh, like, <laughs> I was like, my poor little cow. Like, but I mean, you chose to, you, you, you choose to murder them. So like, I don't know, that's up to you. That's the good thing with this game. You get to like, you can choose to do it if you want to. So, um, I, it's incentivized, though. I remember the first time uh, I was asked to sacrifice a follower. It was a hard choice, but I'll tell you what, some of the newbies, they didn't, uh, they didn't last as long as that. And then after that, it was like, see you later, mate. You're going into the tentacle pit, wherever that True. ends up being. There's always so, a least favorite, I feel. So yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep expanding the church. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the reaction has felt like from your perspective? Because... Everywhere I go, people are talking about Cult of the Lamb. Um, you're a relatively small team, and this is of a scale that is, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, much bigger than what you've ever had before. Uh, how does it feel to be in this position? Yeah, um, yeah, I'll go, and then Will can go after as well. I reckon, um, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's it's pretty surreal. I feel like I haven't really um, taken it in much, to be honest, because I've just been so busy trying to just get the game done. Um, and the kind of the pressure of the hype behind it now. So it's less of a excitement and more of a like, we got to make sure that this is good kind of <laughs> kind of thing. But hopefully like once, you know, hopefully there'll be some relief once it's out. And hopefully if it kind of does review well and stuff, you know, we don't have to worry as much and I can kind of take it in a bit more. Um, but yeah, at the moment I'm just kind of, yeah, but I, you know, I couldn't be happier. And I think even like, yeah, we're doing really well on Steam wishlist for a while and, and we've had, yeah, some great opportunities so yeah it's really it's we've yeah it's crazy for us coming from the last games which was like yeah two people three people working on it so yeah yeah for me it's it's really really exciting um and because i haven't been on the project for quite as long as everybody else has i still have like an abundance of enthusiasm for it <laughs> so whenever we'll have a meeting they'll all just be talking about this stuff and i'm just like yeah let's go let's do it um uh but but really the, the biggest deal like from my perspective is that so previously before all of this i've sort of just worked in the world of mobile games and the bulk of that has been doing uh client work and some of that stuff doesn't end up being public facing or um you know it doesn't come from us it comes from the the person we're developing it for so we never really get that kind of um not not that recognition for our work i guess so coming into this and seeing people super excited and engaging with all of the fans and stuff has just been so so cool <laughs> i feel very lucky um, can you tell me a little bit about how the collaboration with Riverboy came about? Because the music is a bop and I've really enjoyed it. And I, I'm desperately searching to see whether or not it had appeared on any uh, online music stores at the moment. But uh... <laughs> I think it'll be out at, um, out at launch. is going to be releasing the whole thing. And we're kind of getting a vinyl together for it as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, we're very lucky to have uh, Narayan, uh, aka Riverboy, on the team. Um, it actually came out randomly because I, I like listening to a lot of live music. I really like um, 
yeah, listening to music and kind of quite into it. So yeah, I was literally at one of his gigs um, when he was doing music under Willow Beats. Um, and if you haven't heard of them, definitely, definitely check them out because they, they're great. Um, so yeah, I was just at his gig and I was loving it. I think I bought some merch from him. Um, and then I think I, that was a photo of me at uh, GX or something like game, some game expo. And, um, someone was like, Oh, cool shirt. Where'd you get it? And I was like, Oh yeah. At Willow beats or whatever. And then, um, I think Narayan saw that I had a bit of a gamey profile and he's like, Oh, do you make games? Um, and yeah, that's where, that's where the, the friendship began. And then I moved to Melbourne and had no friends. So I basically just became really good friends with him oh and, and yeah what can, oh well there you go i had two friends there you go julian moved to melbourne and it turns I out did he actually, lived yeah. like two blocks from my house <laughs> unknowingly we did i did actually will will and Narayan. yeah we're my boys but How um dare you say <laughs> uh and yeah he's been absolutely great to work with and i'm really looking forward to yeah working with him again in the future and seeing what else he can kind of get up to can you tell me a little what are some of the challenges that you've experienced as you've been playing you know making this game uh you know some of the things that people would go you know be surprised that it was as hard as it is to put it all together yeah i think um for me uh it was definitely just trying to get the game to work (laughs) so like for the long you know it only came together probably like i don't know six months ago or something um just the loop that loop just was not working for the longest time so it's just kind of just not really fun and it just wasn't really feeding into each other um and it's kind of hard with some of these systems based games because you kind of have to just develop the content for the systems to kind of work so it was a lot of just making a lot of content and then kind of trying out the systems and they're not working so yeah we've chucked out a lot of work and there's been heaps of iteration uh, so that's, yeah, that's probably been the toughest bit. I think as well, just trying to make sure we're hitting that kind of player fantasy of running a cult um, and kind of, you know, ticking some of those boxes of what, what it means to kind of be a cult leader, I guess. For me, um, some of the bigger challenges are more sort of on the technical side. Um, so I, I'm a programmer who has been doing all of the UI and a bunch of stuff under the hood and various other things around the project. Um, and when I came on board... I think Julian mentioned before, we had to pretty much scrap like everything we had in the user interface and start from scratch because it just wasn't really working that well. And because I, I hadn't, haven't worked on a console game or like a PC game for a really long time, there was a lot of um, sort of exploration and figuring out how some of these systems within our game engine work and a lot of custom code had to be written and things that enable us to do that iteration really, really quickly because... Uh, like Julian saying, we trashed a lot of stuff. We'll try something out like really fast and throw it away. So all of these kind of systems and um, frameworks need to be in place for you to sort of just be able to uh, rapidly make stuff. One of the things you said to us when you were last on the show was that making a systems-based game was going to be easier than handcrafting <laughs> a story-based game by and building every single piece of that game. Do you want to reconsider that position tell me or you just liar. <laughs> i think i mean i don't know i think the problem was that we're kind of like if we were just kind of stealing some like a you know if we we're kind of doing a normal game and not making two games in one it wouldn't have been as much of an issue but i think just because it's yeah just the whole you know it's not just the systems but it's like also making yeah a combat dungeon crawler in that as well um 
But yeah, you got me. You got me good. <laughs> I love. Yeah, that's great. Do you listen to the last one beforehand? I listen to it every day. Every day I this interview, I was making sure that I knew uh, what you were saying. No, I just thought it was an interesting point because I remember you talking about the Adventure Pals and how that was really mm. laborious, like well, literally yeah. crafting every single piece of it. And, you you know, the, the idea was that you could build something where people could invent their own narratives, basically, and, and yeah. tell their own stories. And it, it is... Uh, you know, something where people can tell their own stories on it, but it is pretty, it seems pretty crafted to me as I was going through, like that introductory sequence is, is quite long. And as you're learning the ropes, there's a lot there that you've, you've put together. So I was just curious as to whether or not mm. you, you, you had learned a few <laughs> things since then. So Yeah, I mean, I think it has been great, honestly, working with the systems and just even like for us playing the game is so much more enjoyable because yeah, it is, there is a lot more randomization and each run you can kind of play it a bit different, even though you're kind of, some of the content might be similar, different order of things that can kind of create interesting um, outcomes. Um, so yeah, I think definitely having those systems has been way nicer than yeah on Adventure Pals where it was so crafted. And even like all the dungeon stuff, you know, we, you can just create encounters and then it's all randomized. So you don't have to, yeah, there's less level design stuff. And yeah, honestly, way better. Love it. <laughs> Um, Will, what's your favorite strategy in the game if you're playing through? What's your pro pro technique if you're going to go through, if you're giving people some tips? Oh, tips. I don't know. Just dodge a lot. <laughs> Will's, Will's really do. good at the game. Yeah, I, I kind of suck at it. <laughs> yeah, Julian's terrible. I play the game on like some of its harder difficulties and Julian just struggles with that. But really, it's just like dodging a lot and understanding the enemy patterns. So, um, yeah. Medium mode is also known as Julian mode. So. <laughs> well, I think I remember you said with uh, "Never Give Up," um, or even Jay said as well when it was like you can't pass, you couldn't pass "Never Give Up" because it was oh too tricky. By the I time still have, I still have it actually. I haven't picked it up. So. <laughs> too difficult. Up, so. Yeah, it's too hard. I, I'm just not good at games. So hopefully, I mean, yeah, it is a bit. Um, it will be interesting with this because yeah, the I guess the the difficulty level. Some people might be expecting a lot more. And hopefully the kind of the difficulty settings in the game can kind of help and compensate for those players that want to play on a harder difficulty, just because we are kind of targeting almost like two audiences with a bit more casual with kind of Animal Crossing vibes and then kind of the more dungeon crawler folks. Um, so yeah, hopefully medium is an okay and nice difficulty for, yeah, a bit more of a your casual gamer, but you know, they can, they go all right, but they're, you know, they they haven't beaten Elden Ring or anything. Yeah. I think people see the, the genre and the, the roguey elements to the game and sort of automatically compare it to, you know, like Hades or Binding of Isaac or uh, into the dungeon or something and just automatically assume that it's going to be hard as balls, but, um, you know, considering our audience, it's definitely like not quite that. So for me personally, I'm like, just put it on hard. You'll have such a better time. That's my recommended difficulty. <laughs> what do you do to help players on the early, like on the lower difficulties? What sort of things are you doing in the back end to make it more forgiving um, so that they don't get destroyed and get upset uh, and leave? Well, that's another big thing as well, because you don't want players like dying a lot early on because they'll just get frustrated. They'll leave the game. They're not happy. So, and definitely... Yeah, we kind of need to know if a player is sucking a bit because, as I say, you know, it might be a bit more of a casual player. They just see all the cute animals. They're like, oh, I want to I wanna check out this game. Um, so there's a lot going on under the hood for that to kind of compensate. If We can kind of tell if they are sucking, and if they are, we'll try and help them along a bit. We're not, like, doing too much, really. It'll kind of just be more, like, 
chances to drop a heart and it's like we still want the player to be kind of struggling through but we're kind of trying to help them like not die as they go along uh, i think a lot of the focus is kind of on that um there's kind of like an auto ba diff auto difficulty balancing thing under the hood along with the kind of the set difficulty that you have yeah, in the dungeons, it'll be like hearts and in the base, I think some of those values of like hunger and faith and stuff take longer to go down, I think. Yeah, and even like we had a lot of problems with people getting into, um, well, I forget what the state is, but like a doom state where like everything is crumbling at the base and there's just no way out of it. So there's, there was a lot of work kind of put into kind of if that starts to happen, there's kind of ways to kind of dig yourself out of it a little bit. Because if you, all your cult members die and you're halfway through the game, it's like it would be very frustrating to have to go back and get all those followers again. Um, so we've kind of added in some stuff to help with that. What about on the other end of the scale for those really, you know, those players who are really looking for something similar to uh, like, uh, you know, Hades or a Binding of Isaac experience? What do you do to punish them and make it really tricky? <laughs> well, we yeah. give them like no health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... That's kind of it. I think, yeah, we mainly, yeah, we say no health for you. Um, and then I'm not sure the enemies are probably more difficult. I think a lot of that um, under the hood stuff for like helping the player is kind of turned off. Um, so yeah, it's a bit more true, true to it, I think. Will, is there a favorite part of this game? Something you think of uh, that you are so proud of uh, that when you're looking back at it, I mean, we're only a little bit out from when the game is out, about a week from, from when it's about oh, to be available. Don't say that. <laughs> Such a sobering sentence hearing that. Um, I mean, my, one of my favorite things about the game is a couple of the boss battles and just like uh, some of the characters and stuff like they're, they're just awesome. And um, we did heaps of the voices for all the characters too. So um, some of the bosses you'll hear us, um, and I, I got to voice one of the the frog bosses in the game because my my partner loves frogs, so I was like, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms <laughs> of in terms of things that I am like proud of in of, that I've done in the game, it's it's really like making it a little bit more accessible than than some other games with um you know lots of work put into being able to pick up any controller at any time you want and plug it in and it just works and a few settings to sort of help break down some barriers for people that, you know, they might otherwise not be able to enjoy the game quite as well, like, you know, toggling our screen shake settings and text sizes and stuff like that. And hopefully we can keep adding more things like that into the game over time as well, because that's something that I'm kind of passionate about just sort of in general. So, yeah, it's been good having Will on to kind of, yeah, to push that side with a lot of the kind of settings and UI stuff for it, because we've kind of done that with a lot of the game design to kind of help the player kind of get into the experience. But having that like level of like, yeah, all the custom controls and bindable keys and all that stuff is, yeah, it's been really good. Ooh, um, I love all the little followers. I feel like they've just come out great and kind of, um, yeah, the way that they kind of interact with you and kind of can come up with these little stories that can kind of stack in kind of interesting ways um and some you know sometimes they'll just do something that surprises me um like one will just come up to me and poop next to me or something and i'm just like yeah that's my boy that's <laughs> that's my little frog fella <laughs> i love all the little derpy voice lines they have or the way they <laughs> scream when they come out of the portal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah i like them i feel like it's kind of kept true to um massive monster our kind of style of things with the having a lot of personality but we've kind of kept it like pretty 
quite gamey as well quite um you know not too silly and kind of yeah we're showing that personality but it's it's not too over the top um are there any secrets hidden in the game Ooh. that you want people Ooh. to uh keep an eye out for anything you'd hint Ooh. about well 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 um you know i mean th- th- there's a night time in the game you know things might happen at night time i don't know i don't know who knows um not me <laughs> But yeah, there is, um, there's, there's, we've kind of designed a few kind of little secret storyline things going on. And then there's a few kind of like hidden items around the area areas and stuff like that. It's, we'd love to kind of add a lot more to that area. And I think we'll be, we'll be basically, um, after release, we're kind of going to be keep working on the game for another, um, six to nine months i think it is so we'll we plan to add like a lot more secrets to it and kind of a lot more content so players can get really kind of in-depth into all these little secret things going on the game is never actually going to be finished (laughs) we're just going to be working on it forever now yeah version (laughs) 1.0 um did you get to put any easter eggs in there for people to discover as well i'm just wondering are there any like recurring characters that would appear in in backgrounds and stuff like that because i love that sort of thing (laughs) um i feel like i snuck i basically I don't know about Easter eggs, but I definitely just snuck in a few secret things without like really telling anyone. Um, so I think I enjoyed that. I think there's quite a few, there's a couple of references to Adventure Pals as well. Um, one being kind of the lighthouse in the first area. And I think when you first get a giraffe, its name is automatically Sparkles. So there's a few nice little things like that. <laughs> Nothing for Never Give Up though, because um, what do you, you do? You finished that Blue. game. <laughs> you don't, you don't know what happened yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly well i have um, some spikes you know that's yeah, yeah. there's some spikes and there's probably some spinny things you know stuff blasting yeah. out at you um it, it, we're only a little bit out from release sorry to bring it back up again um but how do you feel at this point like what is it like to be at this this point you know julian you've from the beginning and and will you know the last sort of year or so nine months or so um tell me what is it like to be mm-hmm. not that far from when people can have it in their hands well i'd say i'm um, pretty stressful um i uh, we thought that was a quite a bad bug in the game in the console release version today that um that i that was my fault so <laughs> that was so yeah that was a bit of fun um but yeah and then i'm kind of planning a lot of stuff like doing this launch party and stuff so it is yeah there's a lot of stress going on but i'm yeah it, it'll be very exciting to actually yeah release this thing and it's i feel like it's easy to forget that you we have been working on it for so long because i feel like covid times was a bit of a blur um but it's great that we kind of have something out of that time um but yeah i don't know bloody onto the next project that's what i reckon yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think it's for me it's it's just it's stressful as well like i, I think we're all a little bit like uh, a bit frazzled at the moment because you know there's there's things to fix or we're trying to make sure all the console versions are looking good and you know being pulled in a thousand different directions all at once so we're all really stretched thin at the moment with what we're trying to get done in the last week or so uh, but it, but it is it is really exciting, you know. Um, I think a month ago I, I was sitting around thinking, oh man, we got a month until this game comes out, and then it crept up, and it didn't feel real until like a week ago, and then it was like, oh my god, this game is coming out. Seeing all the streamers and some content creators showing off their um, press kits and the plushies and stuff, it, it's just so cool to see. Uh, Call to the Lamb, it's out. Uh, as you're listening to this, if you're listening on the day of release, uh, in a couple of days' time, it's on the August the 11th. Um, it's kind of the tw- the 12th, basically, when it hits us in Australian time, if you're listening in Australia. Uh, if you want to find out more information, uh, you can go to cultofthelamb.com. Uh, Julian, Will, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us uh, once again uh, on Light map. Thank you. 
No worries. Thank you very much. Lightmap is a production of Sifter, which is produced by uh, Nicholas Kennedy, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou, Mitch Lowe is our senior producer, and my name is Gianni Di Giovanni, and I'm the executive producer. Thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts, and you can find links to everything we talked about on our website, which is sifter.com. We can read more about the games and the guests that we featured. Go back in the back archive and have a look at the other massive monster episodes that we've had in our previous episodes. And if you are online, check out the other podcasts we've got. We've got Mainstream, which is reviews. We've got Lightmap, which you're listening to right now, which is interviews with creatives from all around the world. And Walkthrough, which is our weekly news show. So you can keep up to date with all of the news. That's all for now. Well, Julian, thanks so much. Thank you. Praise Lamb. Thank you. And until next time. Praise the lamb. <laughs> Love it. Hi, Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is finally here. Continuing the ambitious reimagining of a beloved classic. It's very, very funny. I guess like that's that's part of the silliness, you know, like you have this these really big world ending stakes, you know, Sephiroth is a really terrifying villain, you know, the world's ending. And I think to have a game that is still fun and pleasant to play, I think maybe the tone is kind of, it's important to strike both tones because you need that levity so that it's not constantly depressing, you know? And I think so having the characters have that humor and like having the mini games and having it be a little bit lighter hearted, I think does give you that hope. Does it uphold the legacy of the famous original or burn Midgar to ashes to forge its own path? Find out on Drop Rate, available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.